Welcome to Data Driven Recruiting. In this podcast, we talk about strategies and techniques for leveraging objective talent data to improve hiring processes. Well, welcome back to another episode of Data Driven Recruiting. I'm Sophia Beck, and I'm joined by by my co-host Tigran Sloyan. Hi. All right. So today we're talking about candidate experience. How do you ensure great candidate experience when doing data-driven recruiting? And the reason this topic is so important is that in many cases, uh, candidate experience gets really hurt when companies start to go beyond resumes, start using data, and start using assessments to really validate skills. So the there are more layers and formal structures around the interview process. And when we do that, when we're designing that entire interview process, Mm -hmm. we have to think about what does that mean from the candidate perspective. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic because last week we talked about how to design a great interview process in general. Mm -hmm. So this is a critical to kind of add on to that. Exactly, exactly. So I've seen so many times when, you know, the recruiting team would say, all right, uh, let's say the hiring manager is an engineer. Hey, we need to start like going beyond resumes. Can we design an assessment? Can we build an assessment into our process just so we're not just, uh, you know, using our judgment on resumes to decide who goes forward, who doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is sometimes the hiring managers would design an assessment that's like three hours long, four hours long, five hours long, like a take-home project that lasts for three days uh, where the candidate hasn't even had like first or second interviews with the company. and this is just you know, not acceptable because at the end of the day, you also got to consider that most candidates who start interviewing, they are interviewing with multiple companies. So if right. you ask them to complete an assessment that's going to take them three to, four, three to four hours or three to four days to complete, uh, they're just going to have a bad taste in their mouth, especially if you end up rejecting them. Like imagine yeah. you went there somewhere, you did a three to four day take home assessment, and then next week you hear back that says like sorry we decided to go with somebody else how disappointed would you be Mm -hmm. like how much time have you invested in that conversation and you know all you got is sorry we'll see you next time yeah so um how what what's the kind of the main thing that we need to remember when we are thinking about designing the test and interview process with a candidate experience in mind is that the length Mostly, or is it also the frequency, how often, mm-hmm. or how many tests? I think it's all of it, but it's got to start with uh, the length of it. So, like, how much of a commitment you're asking them and at what stage, okay? Mm-hmm. So, like, if, you, if I'm completing an assessment at the very beginning of the process, you have to keep this assessment generic and short, okay? So, like, in generic and short assessment, the golden standard that we found where, like, you see a lot of drop-off if you go too far over it is mm-hmm. 60 minutes. So like if I haven't had almost any sort of deep conversations with you, I'm not at like close to an on-site stage or something like that. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing an assessment at the beginning of the process, that assessment has to be uh, within an hour long. If you can do it shorter, great. But what mm-hmm. we've also found is that if you try to create an assessment that's a little shorter than 60 seconds, the signal that you get out of it usually suffers. Mm-hmm. So you end up not understanding some of the core qualities as good as you could have. Got it. So keep it short and sweet for the first one. Exactly. How about the second assessment? 
later on you can do interesting things like later on like for example right what if you really want to give a project uh, i would not call it like a uh, an assessment like a test uh, a lot what i've seen some companies do is do like a take-home interview which i found really interesting right mm -hmm. so like when you get to the on-site stage or something similar, instead of asking the candidate to spend like four hours at the on-site, mm -hmm. just using the whiteboard to show you their technical competencies, right? Yeah. Now that they're fully committed, you can ask them to complete a small project at home mm -hmm. using all the tools at their disposal. Like, you know they're already technically sound. Uh, so chances of them like trying to cheat that assessment or do something crazy is are low. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does give you the ability to see like how do they work when they have the freedom to do what they want. And they already know you're very much committed. From here on, the chances of them actually getting hired are pretty high because right. uh, most of the baseline things have been verified, right? Yeah. So they might be excited to show their creativity, their approach, mm -hmm. and spend a couple of hours at home preparing a take-home challenge. Mm -hmm. And then like a take-home you know, project, and then coming in and talking about it with the team which also simulates kind of an environment in which like that's how work happens, right? Like there's something to do, you go do it, and then you come discuss it with your team members and show what you've done. Yeah, instead of all having somebody looking over your shoulder while you're doing work, yeah, that's exactly. not. And yeah. on the whiteboard, most of Right, right, <laughs> yeah, you need your tools to make it more comfortable and then do it. I cannot even type without the autocorrect, so exactly. like I can only imagine the engineers trying to code. With, on, the on the whiteboard, yeah. yeah. Those squiggly brackets I can never do. I've, I remember <laughs> the times when I was asked to do an interview and code on the whiteboard. I was like, how on earth do you do those squiggly brackets, which are very common <laughs> yeah. on the whiteboard? So what are some of the ways that also you can tell whether, let's say we followed, you know, I am designing on an interview process and then I follow your advice, mm -hmm. make, make the first one short, like 60 minutes, and then the second one, a little more interesting project. Mm -hmm. But how do I know really that this will give the candidates a good experience? Like, is there any way of measuring that since it's a data-driven recruiting? Of course, uh, you collect feedback. I think one of the key things that's missed a lot is like as soon as the assessment is done, mm -hmm. you want to be have some built-in mechanism. Ideally, the tool that you're using to do this assessment has some sort of a built-in mechanism to ask for feedback straight mm -hmm. away. And why straight away? Because like the feedback is fresh in the candidate's mind, mm -hmm. and it's also less biased because mm -hmm. like if you ask them for feedback, let's say after you rejected them or after mm -hmm. you told them they're moving forward. Yeah. Uh, if you told them that you're rejecting them, their view of your assessment is going to drop instantly uh -huh. and the other way around. If you tell them that they did well, they're going to move forward, they're just going to bias it towards being more positive. Whereas if you ask them straight when they came out of the assessment, mm -hmm. they're far more likely to give a more or less realistic view. And you also want to split your question about feedback on the candidate side, both for like, what did you think of the question itself? Mm -hmm. And also, what do you think of the environment or the setup in which you were asked to complete this just so you can separate that signal and make sure that you can optimize each one mm -hmm. depending on what kind of feedback you receive got it how about in terms of the kind of the completion rate what should we aim for like because like we cannot expect 100 percent completion rate like when we ask 100 people i mean right. not every single person will complete it of course so Absolutely. what is a reasonable one uh that that is workable, so we're not like sending out this test to 100,000 people, but also um, good enough that I know that it's not about the 
candidate experience, mm -hmm. but more of it's a natural funnel. Absolutely. So I think uh, there is a few things to keep in mind when you're trying to decide conversion rate. And I've seen everything from like 40% completion rates to like 95% completion rates. Mm -hmm. And I think companies who do it really well and what we recommend companies to do to get that like really high completion rate. Mm -hmm. Like one, you got to start with, uh, especially at the beginning of the funnel, keeping it short. Uh, next step from there is to set expectation with the candidate. So I think a lot of companies forget to set expectations, okay? If you go in and say, hey, here's an assessment, go complete it. Well, you forgot to tell them how long it is. As mm -hmm. a candidate, I'm just gonna assume the worst Got and it. think that this is gonna take me forever to do, like why am I even doing this? Yeah. So I think setting context is key because uh -huh. by setting context for the candidate, you can also tell them like, for example, if you're doing it at the top of the funnel, mm -hmm. if you told me as a candidate that like, we are a company committed to going beyond resumes, so we don't wanna judge your abilities by looking at the resume that you sent us, mm -hmm. I'm way more likely to like, think positively of you and be like, oh, 100%, I'll go yeah, ahead and take this assessment. This. Yes, let's right. go do this. Versus you're like, hey, thanks for applying. Here's an assessment. Go do it. Okay. Your completion rates are going to be abysmal. Yeah. So kind of uh, explain why we're doing this, why this is important, and like how long it'll take you. So set that expectation when you're sharing the, the test itself, exactly. almost. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about... Would you recommend uh, existing engineers on the engineering team um, to take it themselves? Sure. Is that's that that's like yeah. a good experiment in the sense that like, you know, if your team takes it, it's like how you do product development, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're using your own product and you don't like it, there's a pretty good chance that others are not going to like it either. So like mm -hmm. it's, it helps to think of your assessment and interview process as a product and you have to, they call it dog footed. Mm -hmm. So if you dog food your own product and your process and you feel bad about it, uh, most likely your candidates are gonna feel even worse about it. Got it. All right, so what's the bottom line for today's podcast? Absolutely, the bottom line would be candidate experience matters and it matters more than you think. Cause uh, there was a great question yesterday during my talk mm -hmm. that said, like, you know, how do you think about the interactions your interview process and your interviewers have with candidates? And my answer was, like, it's a two-way street. Like, you always want to keep in mind that any interaction with a candidate mm -hmm. is a two-way street, and you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. And you always want to, from the very, very first interaction, very first email, very first conversations, you want to think about it as you are being interviewed by the candidate. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. That's true. Well, thanks for the insights and thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.